Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Welcome again to all of you, and especially of those, to those of you who are joining us to worship on live stream. Our sermon lesson this morning comes from Philippians chapter 2. I want to invite you to open up to that, Philippians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 18. As you open up your devices to that and uh, locate it on the digital worship guide, let me catch you up to where we've been in this series. This is the fifth week that we've been in our sermon series called Joy. In the first week, we looked at joy and life. In weeks that followed, we looked at joy and the partnership that we have in sharing the gospel with the world. We looked at joy and humility, joy and courage. And today we're looking at the theme of joy and Christianity. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then... I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. The word of our Lord. What do authentic Christians do? I guess I'm using that word authentic somewhat lightheartedly and definitely ironically because authentic is, well, somewhat of a buzzword. I mean, after all, what are authentic Christians? There's just Christians, right? It's not like we have some people who are merely Christians, and then we have some people who are true, real, and authentic Christians. No, there's just Christians, right? Before a moment, consider that question. What do authentic Christians do? What I want you to do this morning is answer that question. Open up your digital worship guides. There is a note space right there where you can type up an answer to that question. I'm gonna give you 60 seconds to write something down. And if you're too cool to actually take out your phone in church and write something down, then I want you to actually give this question some thought. What would you say if someone were to ask you, what do authentic Christians do? You have 60 seconds. Ready, go.
All right, that's about a minute or very close to one. So what do authentic Christians do? What does a genuine Christian life look like? And maybe perhaps more pressing for all of you, why am I asking you this question? Why am I asking you to actually go ahead and write an answer to this question? What do authentic Christians do? Well, people, whether they do so knowingly or not, and whether they are a Christian or not, enter into a discussion or enter into even a debate over this question because people are really quite passionate about the Christian faith. Talk to somebody about the faith or talk to somebody about their practice of their faith and they'll tell you what a Christian should or should not do. They'll be able to tell you because they've seen Christianity done. They've seen it done this way and that. They've seen it done admirably and they've seen it done shamefully. And see, people have an opinion. Everyone has an opinion about what Christians do. So what's your opinion? Well, one of the privileges that I have as a pastor is I get to talk to a good number of people about the Christian faith and really about their practice of the Christian faith. When I talk to people, typically their answers to this question generally fall along, well, three lines of thought. People say, what do authentic Christians do? They say, well, actually, it's a really private matter. It is something, the Christian faith is something that is really a matter of, well, personal preference. And it's about my experience. Other people will say, no, it, it's not so much a matter of uh, what's done in private. It, it's about what's done in public. And it is about action. It is about in public serving others. Still other people, they'll say it's about doing something in partnership, in partnership with other Christians. It's about being devoted to a, uh, to a church. And so you have these three distinct answers. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at these and then we're going to look at what God's word, what Philippians chapter two says about what authentic Christians do. But as we examine this question and as we look at these three areas, let me encourage you not to listen and um, be tempted to go, really? Pastor, there are Christians who think that's what authentic Christians do? No, they must not be genuine Christians, those people. Now, this morning, I'm going to ask you to fight that temptation and instead answer this question with humility. Maybe examine your heart and your attitudes about what Christians do. Ask yourself, where do you fall in each of those areas? Or perhaps better, when do you fall in each of those areas, because from time to time, we all fall into one of them. Some Christians answering the question, what do authentic Christians do, will maybe voice issue even with that question in and of itself. They'll say, no, it's a personal matter. What do you mean, what do authentic Christians do or don't do? No, 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 no. It's not about what I do. It's not about how often I read my Bible. It's not about 
if I go to church or where I go to church. It's not about what I do in serving my neighbor. It's a matter of God working in my life. It's a matter of me experiencing God in my each and every day. Those of you who answer that question, maybe in this camp, know full well. There's just some things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about money. And we don't talk about religion. You might say my faith is not for conversation. My faith is not for conversions of others. My faith is for me and me experiencing God. Then there are those of you who said, no, faith is a matter of serving others and it's a matter of serving them in public. Faith is something marked by action. How do you know what makes an authentic Christian? Well, easy. You look, you can tell. It is someone who is good and who does good. It's about action. It's about getting out and serving those who who are in need. It's about standing up and giving a voice to the voiceless. What do Christians do? Well, Christians stop just going to church and they are the church. They be the church. They don't just listen to the Bible. They live out the Bible. They don't just learn passages. They actually live out those passages. And then there's those who say to both of those things, it's, it's not about what you do. It's not about your action. It's not about your personal experience in private. No, Christianity is something that, that must be done in partnership with, with other Christians. Christianity is about partnering with other Christians in a church. It's about devoting yourself, your time, your energy, your money to an institution called the church. What do you mean, what do real Christians do? What do authentic Christians do? They go to church and they start their week off or end their week, depending how you look at it, by going to church. And everybody else who thinks they're a Christian and who doesn't start or end their week by going to church, they're, they're not an authentic Christian. But you see what's happening, don't you? You see what happens when you have your idea, your preference about practicing the Christian faith. People who say, no, 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 it must be about doing things in partnership with other Christians. Look at those other Christians who do things in private or do things in public and they say, no, you need to go to church. And those who say, whoa, 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 it's about, it's about what you do in public. It's about letting your light shine say, don't tell me about going to church. You who think it is only in partnership with other Christians need to stop that, going to church and be the church. And as for you who think it's about your personal experience, you need to stop thinking it's about yourself and, well, start thinking about serving others. <laughs> and then those, <laughs> those who, who think it is about what God does in their life in private say, whoa, <laughs> you're the hypocrite. <laughs> You're, you're the one who says you're a Christian who's about making your faith shine. Those of you who are about letting your light shine in public, you claim to be a Christian, but you don't even go to church. And those of you shouting at me to go to church, don't tell me how I need to practice my faith. It's to Christians. It's to Christians like you and Christians like me who have their ideas about what authentic Christians do that God's word speaks. God's word speaks and says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. 
just in case you're trying to qualify what everything means, let me read it again. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You see what's happening, don't you? When Christian people argue with Christian people or Christian people grumble about Christian people, you see what happens, don't you? <laughs> In partnership with other Christians, there's, there's no rejoicing over the word that we hold fast to. In public, there's no letting our light shine, letting the light of Christ shine because we obscure the glory of the cross. We throw a blanket over the cross and w- what does the unbelieving world see? They see, <laughs> they see grumblers. They see people who argue and in private, Oh, you know no joy. You know no joy because it is no longer about the one thing, the, the one thing, the thing alone that gives you joy. It's about you. You see what's happening here, right? The question, what do authentic Christians do? What'd you write down? The reality is, I won't ever know what you wrote down. I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to ask you what you wrote down. But I do know this. God wrote something down. God wrote something down, and I'm glad he did because it tells us what Christians do. It tells us what authentic Christians do. They be. They be who God makes them to be. Children of God who are blameless, who are pure, who are without fault in this world, not because of themselves, but because of Christ. And what Christians do is they work. They work according to the will and the purpose of God who is working in them, working in them in private and working in them in public to let the light of Christ shine and and doing all this where? In the context of Christian community. If you're still listening to me, what I'm saying is this. There is a sanctified synergy of Christianity that is not just one of these parts, but is all three of these parts put together. There is no debate about this. This is what God's word says authentic Christianity is. This is what Christians do. To pick one of these things or even two of these things to the neglect of the other, that's not the Christian faith. But this is. This is. It is in private you and I doing this, continuing to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, some of you might be listening to that and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, work out your salvation? This is a church I thought was all about grace alone, by faith alone, and, and this in Christ alone. Why is Paul here in Philippians saying that we need to work out our salvation? Is there, is there something more we need to do other than what Christ did? Work out your salvation. What does this mean? Well, here in Philippians and here throughout this letter, Paul is saying nothing different than what the entire scriptures proclaim. Salvation is by faith alone, but faith, it's never alone. A Christian does this. They believe, they believe in Christ and they believe that by grace they are saved. But then, 
because of Christ, because they are sanctified, because they are washed clean by the blood of Christ and they have no sins and they are free from sin, death, and the devil, you know what they do? They live with that freedom. (laughs) Since they have the spirit of Jesus Christ living in them who called them out of darkness into his wonderful light, who made them blameless and pure children of God, who are without fault in the world, he tells them to go and... (laughs) Let that light shine. Let that light mirror. Let it reflect off of them into their life. That's what Christians do. Christians work out their salvation. Christians work out their salvation because they are saved by grace alone, because they are saved by faith alone. And yet that faith is never alone. This is incredible stuff. Look what it's saying here. It is saying that it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you to will and to work, to act according to his good purposes. Look at this. This is more than God's word saying like, look, I'm just gonna empower you to live and to work and to act. This is more than God just giving you ideas for godliness. No, this is God working in you, in each of you. Do you understand what this means? This means that there is something indeed that is very personal, that is very experiential, if you were, about the Christian life. When you get up and go to work and do the work well that needs to be done on a Monday morning, when you love your spouse or you love your children, when you serve your neighbor a warm dish of kindness, it is God working those very works in you to be good works. It is God, the power of God, working in you the very thoughts that you have to make them godly thoughts. It is God in you. It is the same God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, who made you one with him through your baptism, who is now in you, with you, working in you to bring all of this about. You know, so, so often in our lives, we really don't come face to face with real raw power, do we? You know, maybe we'll see a, a video, a YouTube video of a tornado, or we'll see a, a history clip of an atomic bomb going off. But how often do we come into the presence of these real, raw, powerful things? <laughs> well, Christian... <laughs> A Christian who, who's beginning to understand, who, who's beginning to become aware of just who it is that is working in them, well, they work out their salvation with fear and with trembling. Knees shake when a Christian realizes who it is in them, causing them to do everything in their life that they do. It's God. You know, I, I, think, about, I think about my one-year-old son who... I held in my arms as we stood just a foot into the ocean. His little arms shook, his little legs shook as he looked out over the vastness and the powerfulness of the ocean and the waves crashed up against him. I think about my three-year-old son who who sat on my lap in an airplane and as the jet engines roar, the, the powerful raw power that is an airplane begins to go down the runway. His little muscles begin to quiver. His little chin begins to shake because he knows he is in the presence of real power. Do you and I think about life that way? 
Do you and I who are, who are in the arms of a heavenly father that is far more powerful than the thing of oceans or airplanes realize that it is his power in us, it is his power in you that is bringing about everything that you do in life? Perhaps we should. Perhaps we should marvel with fear and trembling that God is working in you. God is working in you in order to carry out his good purpose, in order for you very personally, in, in the very private moments of your life, to live according to his will, according to his good purpose. Christians wonder, where is God? He's in the private moments of your personal life. What do Christians do? Christians act, Christians work out their salvation because there is a God. There is a God above working in them and through them. And you see what that does, don't you? When you realize who it is in you, working through you in every moment of your life, that brings about an energy and enthusiasm for life to publicly shine before others so that they might see him, so that they might see his glory through your good deeds. That's why Paul goes on and he says this, He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do this. Examine your life for a moment. Examine the culture that you live in. Is there anything that you find to grumble or argue about? God's word speaks. God's word speaks and he says, stop it. Examine your life for a moment. Examine the Christian people in your life, the Christian people that God has called you to have and to build a Christian community with. Anything, anyone to grumble about? to argue with. God's word speaks and he says, stop it. He says, do everything without grumbling or without arguing. Here's why. Because the risen savior, the risen savior who rose from the dead for your salvation and mine to free you from sin, death, and the devil has called you and is working through you to fulfill his good purpose. What is his good purpose? It's not to be like this world. It's not to bemoan this crooked and warped generation. No, it's to be in it. It's to be in it publicly and shine like stars in the sky. It's to do what stars do. It is to give light, to give your Savior's light to the world and to do what stars used to do. And that's guide people. It's guide people forward. Can I just for a moment compliment Christians who who answered that question, what do authentic Christians do in this way? Who said that it's about being in public. It's about action. It's about letting your light shine. (laughs) Thank you. We need Christians like that. We need Christians in the body of believers who act like that, who think like that, and encourage us to be like that. Why? Well, very often, Christians who know full well that it is by grace we have been saved, well, they get fat and lazy. 
They get fat and lazy in their Christianity because they sit around forgetting the immensity and the intimacy with which they have been loved. They forget about the intimacy with which Christ has loved them and the immensity of all that God has done to forgive all of their sins. And so they lose their gospel motivation to go out and do the really hard things that God has called us to do. What is that? To live and fulfill and work according to his purpose. What is his purpose? It is to take the cups of faith that you have that have been so filled with his love, the intimacy and the immensity of it, and pour it out on others. Yet can I offer a word of caution? Uh, Words, the words of God to those who are all about faith being about action. Oftentimes, Christians who, who do promote a, a, a authentic Christianity that is not about sitting around say things, say things that will end up being a, a false dichotomy. They say it's not about learning passages, it's about living passages of the Bible. Or maybe they say things like it's not about your institutional devotion, it's about your individual actions. Or maybe they say you got to stop going to church and you got to start being the church. But can I, can I remind you of something that's often forgotten about? It's this. It's that God says you will shine like a star in the sky in this world when you hold firmly to the word of life. Sometimes people think that they can just shine like stars in life, but they forget about why it is the thing that intrinsically and absolutely makes them shine like stars in the sky. It is the word of life. It is the word that gives life. It is only, and it is first and foremost and forever continually holding on to the one thing and the one thing alone that makes you be the church. It's the word of life. It is the word of life that makes you shine like a star. It is the word of life that calls you and says to you, in the sun, you have eternal life. This is eternal life, that you know him and you hold him. It's white knuckling to those promises of God and not letting go of them. That that is what makes you be a star in the sky. That is what makes you shine with the light of Christ. It's what makes us, any of us, be the church it's holding on to him where he's found, in his, in his supper, in his, in his baptism. It's holding on to the word of God because when God speaks, reality results. When God speaks, that which was not becomes that which is. When God speaks, you and I who are sinners, you and I who are dead, face planted in a ditch, will become something much different. We become children of God, pure and blameless, without fault in this world. It's holding to that. It's grabbing fast to that that makes you shine. And now you're starting to see it. You're starting to see this synergy of Christian life. It's all of it. It's all of it put together. It is God working in us personally and privately in the the personal moments of our life, experiencing him in a, in a unique way, but all of us with him in us shining before this world, reflecting his light. It's that, it's that word central here 
in our partnership with one another that makes it all happen. That's why Paul ends up with saying these words. He wraps up this section in verses 17 and 18 saying this, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Any of you offer up a sacrifice this week? How about a drink offering this week? I didn't think so. Paul's picture here is perhaps lost on modern Christians who at times maybe don't worship that way. So let me break it down for you. What would happen when people in the Old Testament or or people even in the New Testament would bring a sacrifice to God, would bring a sacrifice that would point them to or remind them of the once and for all sacrifice that Christ did for us, giving himself up on the cross? What they would do is they would bring, let's say, a lamb. They would set it on the altar and they would burn that lamb. And then the sacrifice wouldn't be over as the lamb was finishing up being burnt. It wouldn't be over until the high priest took wine or or maybe some kind of oil and poured it over the lamb. And when a liquid gets poured on something hot, what happens? Vapor goes up, goes up to the Lord. And this was the completed sacrifice. This was the whole sacrifice offered up to God. So what is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying that the life of, Christ, of the Christians in Philippi, their entire life of faith, that is the sacrifice on the altar. And Paul, Pastor Paul, he's like the drink offering poured out. That together in partnership with one another, these two beautiful things are holy, pleasing, and sweet-smelling sacrifice to our God. What he's describing here is the partnership, <laughs> the partnership that we all have with one another in ministry with one another. People to pastor, pastor to people, people to one another. This is a beautiful thing. This is what authentic, this is what real Christianity looks like. And what does it result in? Well, Paul says it results in me being glad and rejoicing. And you should too. Us in partnership with one another, devoted to one another, pouring out one another in service to each of us. It's all of us pointing one another to the God who lives in us, who works in us to fulfill his good purpose. It's all of us getting together with one another, encouraging one another to live our lives in public, to let our light shine before people that they might see our God and know him. It's us encouraging one another, not letting us go by our own definitions of Christianity and and letting us pick either this, that, or some other thing to practice our faith, but it is us uniting each other in this sanctified synergy of Christianity, being about what Christ has called us to. And all of us, knowing joy in Christianity because of that. In the early early part of the fourth century, there was a really wicked and really terrible Roman emperor. His name was Julian, and what he did was persecute the Christian church. He hated Christians, and he, and he hated them most of all because he looked at them and he, he saw this taking place. He saw this sanctified synergy of Christianity. <laughs> 
He saw them partnering with one another. He saw them shining forth in the world. And he saw in them individually and personally what, what God looks like, what Christ acts like. Seeing all this, it, it moved him and it made him ask this question. He wrote, Why do we not observe how the kindness of Christians to strangers, their care and the burial of their dead and their holy lifestyles has done the most to advance their cause? It's a disgrace to us that there is no Christian who is a beggar and that Christians support even our poor in addition to their own and that everyone is able to see that our people lack aid from us. Why? What a picture of Christianity. <laughs> this perfect, sanctified synergy of caring for one another, good deeds shining forth in the world, and people knowing Christ because of it. The cause, advancing. <laughs> I don't know, as you look at the world that we live in right now, the, the community that we do ministry in, maybe it's easy sometimes to ask, can we ever get to a Christianity like that? With Christians who grumble and argue with one another. Can we ever make that happen? You know what today is? It's July 5th, but you know what that means? It means that today is the four-year anniversary that my wife and I moved to Fredericksburg. We pulled into town on July 5th, 2016. And I didn't know any of you then. <laughs> I know none of you then. <laughs> and none of you knew me then. <laughs> and yet what has taken place <laughs> over the, the past four years is that we've really found joy <laughs> in practicing Christianity together. <laughs> I never could have anticipated the amount of joy in getting to do what authentic Christians do with each of you, <laughs> getting to practice our Christian faith. At the same time, I never could have predicted all that's happened and all that is happening in our world right now. And we do, we wonder, can we ever have a Christianity like that? This perfect, perfect synergy of sanctified Christianity, us in partnership, <laughs> in public, knowing God, experiencing his love in, in the private moments of our lives. <laughs> we'll never forget the same God who has lived and will live forever and who reigns on the throne in heaven is that God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And by the same power who did that, that God is in you. <laughs> he is in you and he is in me working in us as we work out our salvation all for his glory to carry out his purpose. Never forget that Christ Jesus, whose light shone most brightly on a dark hill on a dark day called Good Friday, he's letting his light shine in you and through you so that you shine like stars in the sky in a warped and crooked generation. That Christ lives and so do you. Never forget that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has worked in you fruits, fruits like love, joy, peace, He's showing them. <laughs> He's planting those fruits and harvesting them amongst one another, amongst each other. You want to know what Christianity looks like? What authentic Christianity looks like? It looks like this. More of this. Amen. <laughs>